Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. It's The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Thanks, everybody. Lewis, you know, you know I'm, I'm grateful to everybody who comes on this show. And we yeah, have some course. amazing guests this week. What do we have? We had Woodward and Bernstein here. Emma Thompson was on this week. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. But tonight, you know, there's, there's nothing a host of one of these shows wants to see more on the board other than the words, Tom Hanks. Icon. That's what we got. An icon. Mr. Thomas, Thomas Hanks is here tonight. Anyway, so that, that is going to be fun. Do stick around for that. Now, folks, uh, I've been told that a lot of people out there watching consider me something of a, a father figure. In fact, for some reason, a lot of people on Twitter like to call me daddy. <laughs> Even more confusing, some of them actually want a spanking. Now, I love being a TV dad, and I don't take that title lightly. And right now, things feel unsettled in America, and I think we could all use a little reassurance. So, folks, dad's calling a family meeting. Hey. Hey, kiddo. Hey, kiddo. Take a seat. Cop a squat, buddy. Okay, we need to talk. Now, I, I know you're mad at me because I wouldn't lend you the car, but with gas prices the way they are, it's just cheaper for you to fly to your friend's house. <laughs> nah, I know you don't want another lecture from your old TV dad, which is why I've also invited your movie dad to join us. Tom, come on in. I gotta tell you, it is great to see you, but please put those muscles away. Look at strong, huh? <laughs> You've been working out. Buddy, your, your dad and I have noticed you, you've been feeling pretty anxious lately. Yeah, now we know there's a lot to think about. All the changes going on in this country, all the yeah. changes going on in your swimsuit area. <laughs> People talking about your swimsuit area. It's all pretty upsetting. And, and you're growing up so fast. It feels like just yesterday you were crawling around on the floor in nothing but your underwear, eating spaghetti straight out of the bowl with your hands. But we were all doing that back in 2020. So. <laughs> you know, it's time to move on, son. But sadly, we can't because uh, COVID is still sticking around longer than we all thought. Yeah, yeah. COVID is kind of like when your Uncle Bill stays with us. He says he's gonna be here for two weeks, but you know, he's not going anywhere until Janice forgives him for the whole buying a house but without asking her thing. By the way, your Uncle Bill has COVID. And also scurvy. But here's the thing, champ. I know how tough this could be. In fact, not to brag, but I was one of the first to get COVID back before it was cool. But 
It was never cool. And look, we need to talk to you about peer pressure. I know a lot of your friends are telling you to take drugs. So listen up, because we're only gonna say this once. Take, take the, the drugs. drugs. <laughs> those vaccines. Those vaccines and those boosters really work, kid. And kiddo, we know what it's like to be your age. The world can be so confusing. Sometimes you wish you were all grown up already. Exactly. So you visit a magic fortune-telling machine, wake up as an adult, move to the big city, get a job at a toy company, start up a sexual relationship with an actual adult who doesn't know what's going on, which is really funny, but in retrospect, it's pretty disturbing. <laughs> We've all been there, man. And, and listen, we know the future can seem scary, too. It's a tough job market out there. But if you put your mind to it, you can still be anything you want to be. Yeah. Just not a comedian. Or an actor. Yeah. Those are our jobs, and yes. we cannot lose them right now. The market is killing me. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I put all my money into old typewriters because it's important to unplug from the internet every once in a while. That's true. Speaking of which, we need to talk to you about your social media usage. Specifically, when are you going to accept my Facebook request? <laughs> what, are you too busy using the TikTok? Do we need to do one of our viral dances just to get your attention? Fine. Hey, 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 buddy. Hey, you look at your dad's when we're TikToking to you. Oh, buddy, hold on. Before I forget, here's your allowance, okay? I tell you to save it, but with inflation, you better blow that thing fast. And kiddo, remember, if you ever need anything, we'll be right here doing this. It's about damn time. In a minute, I'ma need a sentimental man or woman to pump me up. We'll be right back with Tom Hanks. Late Show Pond Show listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Welcome back, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to say my guest tonight is an Oscar-winning great big old movie star. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Mr. Tom Hanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Kind of you. The people. Thank you very much. The people. Enjoy. Oh, man. Thank Tom. you. Thank you very much. What a pleasure it is to be in, in Ed Sullivan Theater here, because, yeah. look, yeah, I don't know if you heard about this, uh, Stephen, but... Go on. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a movie called Elvis, um, about Elvis, the Presley one. And, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. This, yeah. This, this actual place played very large in our film, because... Um, I played Colonel Tom Parker, and yeah. I, I don't need to immediately start hawking my product, but do it, baby. Uh, do I was it. out earlier, so I no, might as well get it. right to it, right? Get to the heat uh, of the heat. Uh, you know, show the clip, and I'm going home. Thanks, everybody. Let's, 
Put um, some asses in the seats. But the night after um, Elvis performed on The Ed Sullivan Show, 60 million Americans watched him on TV. I think there were only 60 million in two TV sets in all of America. You're not joking. It, was some, it really was an extraordinary this, this number. Was, yeah. This was a huge performance. And the very next day, uh, Colonel Tom Parker realized that uh, everybody in America is talking about Elvis Presley, so he is no longer going to appear for free on TV. After that moment, you had to either buy a record or a ticket to his show or a ticket to one of his movies or listen to him on the radio, for which Colonel Tom Parker got a few cents every time it played. Elvis got something like, if I'm not mistaken, he got $50,000 to appear three times on Mr. Sullivan's show. Wow, okay. Which is a crazy amount of money because back then. Because Ed would go off. He understood that uh, it was worth p paying money. And after that, as, as, uh, as Colonel Tom Parker himself said, well, the, no, I'll be happy to put uh, my boy on television, provided they pay the price, and that price is $50,000. And nobody wanted to play. And there, there it there is. It is right there. There's Elvis performing on the Ed Sullivan Show on October 28th, 1956. And it is somewhere right on this, right, right on around here. Stage. Right here. Right around right there. there. Right there as well, Elvis. Yep. And you should have just like a soft, holy light shining down on that little space so that, so that we could um, see. Not only that, but this is kind of interesting. Uh, back then, the big vaccine that people were worried about was polio yes, vaccine that are. everybody should have, but people were nervous about it. Backstage on that night, for the public good, he got vaccinated backstage here at the Ed Sullivan Show. For the common good. Okay. You, just before we get into the, the thing, I have not seen you in person since 2017. Yeah, yeah that's, because that's a long time. We've yeah. talked over COVID several times, had lovely long conversations, but you hadn't physically been here. First of all, isn't it lovely to be with people? It's again? good to be in a room full of... You know, the, it's, uh, there, there is something in the human condition that requires us to periodically get into a big room with a bunch of strangers and have that moment in common after a while. Sure, yeah, you exchange no, some sort of nutrient by well, doing that. I mean, there's, there's something in the air that uh, is embolden, emboldens the human condition, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's the something in the air that kept us apart for several years. But <laughs> one of the reasons we took it seriously, one of the first we reasons people went, oh, wait, this is a serious thing, is you and Rita got it. We did. Down yeah. in... Uh, Brisbane, Australia. In Australia, yeah. okay, so... And they immediately put us in the hospital. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have type 2 diabetes and a few mm -hmm. other things. And I kept saying, am I going to be okay? They said, well, that's why you're in the hospital, Tom. <laughs> well, what are, they said, I said, what are, what are you looking for? Well, we're taking, we're looking at your heart. And uh, how much oxygen you have in your blood, and uh, whether your lungs are clear, and also your temperature. And I said, Well, okay, well, what is my temperature? Oh, you're all right, you're 37. <laughs> I said, To me, when I, I'm not on the metric, is it like half a mile? What does 37, <laughs> what does 37 mean? He said, No, it's all right, you're so, all right, you'll yeah. be okay. Now, how have you been since? Uh, I had COVID a second time uh, at the, in the first week of uh, April. No, second week of this April. Year. Yeah, I had it a second time. Oh, wow. So you had the uh, Omicron probably. Uh, I guess so. And yeah. it, you know, but it, it, it kept me down for about a day and a half. And That's it, it didn't nearly make the news that I thought it was wow. going to. Well, what was the explanation? Okay, since you were one of the first people that we all knew about yeah. getting, and so what was the, how would you compare the two experiences? Well, there was like 10 days of misery was the, was the difference. Uh, that, yeah. first, that first one, uh, uh, my wife and I had very different, she had completely different symptoms than I did. I felt like my, my bones had been turned to chalk. Uh, I, it, was, it was really, and oh. couldn't focus on anything more than I can usually focus on things. It's like we were literally, we were down in, we were in lockdown in Australia, and uh, well, you know, you had, to, you had to do things like your own laundry, which is like, what? 
Um, and we, and, uh, and there's, there's a thing in Australia, they, they are very, very, very environmentally conscious. So the, the washing your clothes takes like three and a half hours because it's just very, very slow, doesn't use a lot of water, very uh -huh. slow. But drying them takes like four times as long. So it's just... <laughs> so it was better actually to hang them out on the deck on little, you know, sun dry them. And then we'd go out there and I'd literally be putting t-shirts and stuff and socks and I'm thinking, with COVID, I'm thinking, how did I get outside? <laughs> what are these wet things in my hands? Where am I? And then you'd come back around to big, big brain fog. What was the isolation like this time? Were, were you like... Oh, I just, I just laid on the couch. No, it was nothing. It was not, okay. not so bad. Okay. I, ha I had it around the same time. Oh, did you? How bad? It was terrible. It was terrible. It was yeah. terrible. Super yeah. depressing, actually. I don't know why, but Evie and I both got super depressed doing it, like having it. Well, because, you know, she had, she had to spend the week with you. It's true. I mean, it's true. honestly, if you had to stay in here, how would you feel? We're making, you know, we're, we're making jokes about something that is, you know, we'll remember, for the rest of humanity, we'll remember, oh, remember that COVID thing that, yeah. uh, that still hasn't gone away. But you know what's interesting is that, you know, in night, I'm wondering how much this is going, people are going to talk about it once we've, you know, knock wood, truly passed through this, is because, you know, the Spanish flu killed 50 million people. And lingered for a very, 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 very long, time. long time. And it's yeah. not like there's, like, lots of plays and operas in the now, 20s. Now, why about, is that? No one talked about, like, you don't hear about in the Roaring Twenties, you don't hear about the Spanish flu if from you, the art if, of that time. If you, there, there, there's, there's more, although there is more information about the Spanish flu than there is, say, about the Tulsa massacre in 1921. So That's true. you end up getting this kind of like, what's the important thing that we should be talking about history-wise? I think probably right now it's the movie Elvis by Baz Luhrmann. Well, I, man, you can catch a segue like nobody else in the All business, right. my friend. Got to grab that brass ring, That's baby. Got to paddle. Got to paddle and drop right. in. That's right. Now, okay. All right, I loved the new movie, Elvis. You play Colonel Tom Parker, as you were saying before. What I, I mean, I always knew the colonel was there. I mean, you didn't I know what big, he looked like, did you? I didn't you? know what he looked like. No. I didn't know what he sounded like. No. I didn't know what he did. Who was this guy? Colonel Tom Parker was not a colonel. His name wasn't Tom, and he wasn't even a Parker. His real name, his real name was Andreas Van Kuyk. He, was, uh, he jumped ship from Holland, had no American passport, just wanted to get into the circus business, which he was, yeah. and he represented a few... Uh, he represented Eddie Arnold in promoting his career. Then one day... He heard about this young guy who was ripping up the he had a record that everybody was listening to. He thought he was black. Turned out he was white. And then he happened to see him perform one day in, on the, in Louisiana at the Louisiana Hayride. And did pay no attention to what the, the, my boy, he paid no attention to what the boy was singing. He looked at what the effect was on the audience. And it's one thing to see young girls who be excited by the likes of Elvis Presley. But when their 40-year-old moms also are literally having uh, feelings that maybe they shouldn't have in public, he said, hmm, I might be able to make some money at this. Because yeah. uh, the well, ma'am, what was it that was so said, Oh, honey, he's just a big hunk of forbidden fruit. And he said, ah, forbidden fruit is sold at a premium in most supermarkets in America. So he, he jumped. He was a diabolical genius in every way. It's incredibly prescient. Kind of like invented modern show business and modern recording business, um, and no small part, uh, no small part of making sure that his uh, his boy uh, remained exclusive. You know, you had you had to decide to uh, 
to pay to see or hear Elvis Presley. There's a great, there's a great, uh, some guys ask him, do you think that, uh, uh, Mr. Parker, do you think that uh, Elvis's uh, popularity is based on his so-called uh, sex appeal, his shaking and wiggling? Is it, well, uh, well, Mr. Wilder, uh, let me tell you that uh, I have a vivid imagination myself, and I have listened to uh, Mr. Presley's records, and uh, to the best of my ability, as hearing them over the radio, I am not able to see him wiggle. So I, uh, <laughs> so I actually have a feeling it might be a different type of artist that we are speaking about here. And he was absolutely, absolutely dead solid. We have, we have a clip here. It's you uh, as Colonel Parker and uh, Austin, Austin Butler, Butler as, as, as Elvis. This, what, what's happening This, this is moment? a prescient moment. This is, the, this is the moment where the cultural zeitgeist of Western society changed forever. Jim? I wasn't fooling when I told those other kids I was going to buy them a Cadillac one day. My boy, with me, you will buy them two Cadillacs. A hundred? Two hundred. A million. <laughs> An aeroplane. A, a rocket ship. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Even not a rocket ship. My, my mama don't like me to fly. Well, what about you, Mr. Presley? Are you ready to fly? Yes, sir. I'm ready. Ready to fly. Right. Austin Butler, I can't say no. Baz Luhrmann, Austin Butler. We have to take a little bit of a break. We'll be right back with more Mr. Tom Hanks, everybody. Stick around. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. Mr. Tom Hanks, as soon as the movie was over, I saw it with my son, and he said, what do you think? And I said, it's great. It's, it's a great movie. And part of it was the Baz Luhrmann-ness of it. Because if you enjoy a Baz Luhrmann film, um, this is the most Baz Luhrmann-y Baz Luhrmann film, <laughs> in my opinion, that Baz has ever Luhrmanned. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons why is that there, we well, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of like glitz and shine and yeah. like almost like jewels and gem quality to it a Baz Luhrmann film, and I can't think of a subject that could receive it better Elvis than does. Elvis Presley. Yeah, the yeah. actual thing I thought was, you know, this could have used a little more Baz Luhrmann <laughs> because Elvis is actually such a huge figure that yeah. it can receive the kind of grandeur that Baz Luhrmann puts into a film. I think this might be the first Baz Luhrmann in which uh, film in which actually required all the bedazzling that went into it because you know all, of, all of the jumpsuits and everything like that. That. There's a lot of lot of confetti. We, every week we would put to, we would take an old um, Elvis movie poster and make it Baz centric. You know, like uh, it happened at the World's Fair. Be kind. It happened at Baz Fair. Uh, girls, girls, girls became Baz, Baz, Baz. <laughs> uh, Viva Las Vegas became Viva Baz Vegas. You know. Did you watch those films? I watched up? every one of them that I could oh get my, my hands Follow on. Follow that dream. Oh, Speedway. Oh, no, no. Okay, and uh, my for my former makeup man, Danny Streepek, who I did probably I think 14 films with. He did Elvis's tan for four movies. His tan. His tan. Well, Viva Las Vegas. Sure. Well, what do you remember about it? You know, he didn't do his scars. You know, or his black eyes. You know. Sure. Elvis was a good-looking dude, but right. he did he did uh, he did a harem scarum, which was not a not one of the better. 
shot in like 22 <laughs> days or something sure. like that. But he also did um, uh, the one you just mentioned. Follow that dream. Follow that dream. Down he, in Miami, he, right? Yes, He's he did. Like, yeah, I gotta yeah. follow that dream. Yeah. Wherever that dream may I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this story that uh, that Danny told me. On that, I don't want to say maybe, on a movie that Danny did, okay? Um, there was a young girl who was playing somebody in the thing. Yes. Um, and she was very, very attractive, and she was very thrilled to be in a movie with Elvis. And she went through the movie, and it was all fine. And on, on her last day of film, she came into the hair and makeup trailer, and she was just despondent. <laughs> so what, what is it, honey? <laughs> she would, and they were trying to put her hair on, they were trying to do a makeup or mascara, and she just kept crying and crying and crying and crying. And says, what, what, what is it, honey? We have to get you ready. I just, <laughs> what is it? You have to, have to talk, we have to get you ready. And I'm trying to think about the euphemistic word. That it, let me just say this. <laughs> I just want to have sex with him. <laughs> is that so bad? I just want to have sex with him. We have to take a little bit of a break. Uh, damn, okay. We'll be right back with more Mr. Tom Hanks, everybody. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we gotta spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right, we're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time, Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're back with Tom Hanks, everybody. You can even do that? No. Oh, my God. Mr. Mr. Thomas Hanks. One of the things that I... One of the things that that hit me, and this now, let's talk about Austin Butler here for a second, because this performance... Austin Butler, can we just hear Austin Butler is just extraordinary. You can't say enough. Can't say enough about Austin Butler. Not only, not only does he capture the voice, uh, the speaking voice, the singing voice for for much of the movie as well, um, uh, the mannerisms, the dancing, uh, uh, deeply felt, deeply expressed emotional scenes, but the magnetism of the man and his connection with an audience and and. One of the reasons why I walked out and said that's an absolutely great movie is that I, I kind of felt like I got an intimate look at the real Elvis yeah, for the past did. two and yeah, a half yeah, hours. Yeah. And I, it reminded me, his performance was so good, it reminded me that I'd forgotten that I have a little candle lit in my heart for Elvis Presley. And that there's a reason why there's all this kitchen ironic love yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, he's but like it's a not Hershey that. Bar now, yeah. It's absolutely, he's an absolutely magnetic, 
beautiful, gifted, once-in-a-lifetime Now, I'm slightly older than you, so I did not, but I did not see the 1968 special, which became known as the comeback special. I didn't see that either, but I did ask my mom if I could stay up late in February of 1974 and drag my bed into my brother Peter's room and put their black-and-white TV on some boxes to watch the Aloha Oh, that was a big one. Which is 1.5 billion billion people. By the way, dreamed up by Colonel Tom Parker. Why why would you go travel around the world when the world will tune in to see you? You don't have to do this. Right, but the backstory on that was he couldn't travel around the world because... Because he had no passport, and he he would not have been allowed into the country. Shh! Don't... Spoiler alert. Thanks, guys. Now, who's going to see the movie now? Sorry. Crying out loud. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Can you not... I'm so sorry. Can you not do that? Sorry, we can't do that. But the... the, uh, I will say, because of Austin's power of it, and and also the basmatic of it all, um, uh, from the 68 comeback special, you get get a real different sort of vision of what Elvis meant to the zeitgeist, because he turned Las Vegas into a place worthy of superstars to go in there and... uh, You know, there's plenty of good entertainment, but Elvis being there, it was used... I used to work for the Hilton Hotels Corporation, as a bellman, and if you call me a bellboy, I'm going to crack you right in your smart mouth. Really? How you, old when you were a, uh, you were a, uh, a bell you kidding? person? I was uh, 19, so I wasn't a bellboy at all. I was a bellman. Um, and we had, a, the, for the Oakland Hilton Hotel, um, actually, o- Oakland Hilton Airport Motor Lodge, I think is what it was called. But we had a, we had a thing of who was playing at the Vegas International. That, and when Elvis was up there, and everybody says, oh, wow, Elvis is in Las Vegas, we were told to say, that's right, sir, and if you would like uh, help making reservations, you can certainly talk to so-and-so at the front desk. So I'd like to think I had a little something to do with the promotion of Elvis's... Uh, you and the uh, Colonel. Just like always thinking. Diabolical genius. What I didn't know was that the reason why there was a combat is that the original sort of what we think of as classic Elvis only lasted a few years. Well, really, it only lasted from 56 to 58. And then when he came back, he was, uh, he was making movies. Went into the Army. Went into the Army. Yeah, I t- of course. He went into yeah. the Army for uh, well over two years. Came back, had a fabulous special hosted by Frank Sinatra, welcoming right. Elvis back from... Elvis is back from the Army show, and that was a big thing. And that was the last time he performed in front of a live television audience. He didn't do it again until 1968, and Elvis was petrified at the idea of performing again in front of a live live audience. And there was and, all those movies. Well, he made those movies. And look, uh, there was... A, you know, I, I actually think, if we could get seriously about the movie business, he made, the first movie he came back to was called G.I. Blues. Juliet Prowse, he sang to a little wooden puppet, I don't have a wooden head. It was a huge... It was a huge popular hit, because Elvis was Elvis, he sang, he was in a uniform, and it was massively huge. Then Elvis made three very, very good dramatic roles for 20th Century Fox. Uh, Flaming Star, uh, uh, Wild in the Country, and some other, I can't remember. And alas, they didn't do well. And that, that broke sort of like a, a magic mojo. Because the four movies he made before he went to the Army were great movies. Um, uh, King Creole, Jailhouse Rock. They actually lived up to the promise of uh, what he was going to do. But it was, those, it was those three dramatic roles where he didn't sing, where he wasn't kind of like a happy-go-lucky thing, that made the audience and uh, the movie business go like, I think Elvis needs to sing in all these songs. And look, I love Viva Las Vegas as much as anybody else and Girls, Girls, Girls. And I, but, you know, three movies a year he made for five years. That is a oh. backbreaking. What's the most movies you've ever made in a year? I made six movies in a year. Uh, no, I have no idea. Um, uh, no, please, no. I mean, uh, 
Um, thank you. Hank says, I beat Elvis. <laughs> but that was at a time where I was trying, trying to get into every other deck, uh, uh, octoplex uh, screen in the country. I was trying to, trying to do that. Tom, lovely to see oh, you. Thank lovely. you so much I for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. 